Welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, where I talk about anything from TV to movies to music to video games to sports. All of it's fair game here on the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast. This week I've got discussion on Carrie Underwood's awesome My Gift special on HBO Max. HBO Max also getting a big slate of Warner Brothers movies in 2021. Some of the shows that have been getting some attention on Netflix and some that are leaving Netflix. And some more topics to discuss on this week's podcast, so let's get right to it. Carrie Underwood's HBO Max Christmas special, My Gift, is now available up on HBO Max to stream at any time you wish. Of course, this is the live performance of her album that came out back in September, if my 2020 brain is working correctly on that. I remember when the album came out, I listened to it the day it was released, and I was outside getting my walk in, and it was just I was sweating because <laughs> it was a hot day. It was in September. It was just hot. I was just thinking, boy, this is not very Christmas-like with this, but I'm getting a little preview of a Christmas. But actually, this I remember when I was walking thinking, this is the weather I actually prefer for my Christmas music. <laughs> I would prefer warmer weather. This special is really incredible. I really love this a lot. Of course, there was a uh, online watch party that was going on. Facebook seemed like where it was mostly being hosted at, but people were posting over on Twitter and you could do things over there too. People were kind of posting all over the place. And it's just an incredible special. Of course, I'm a very biased Carrie Underwood fan. As I have said, I'm a fan club member. I've uh, been a fan of hers since American Idol. So when this came out, I said, well, when they said they were going to, when they announced that this special was going to be happening, I said, well, looks like HBO Max is going to be getting some money from me in December. <laughs> Because anytime anybody brings in Carrie Underwood for something, you're probably going to get my money for a subscription or whatever it's going to be, because I'm going to be checking it out. So she sang every song that is on the album. I'd heard on, uh, well, of course, she's been doing her media rounds this week as well. She's been on Today Show, The Tonight Show. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Today Show and Tonight Show. And she's been roaming around, uh, doing stuff online, Instagram. She did an Instagram live where uh, she talked about it being the where it was filmed in L.A. It was recorded there, and she talked about it that it was actually on the same soundstage as it was for American Idol when she was on it. And she talked about just how crazy that was to walk in there. She said the venue even smelled the same when she walked in, and just what a throwback moment it was. And she did every song that's on the album. I'm going to run down the list of order that she did the songs. She did Christmas is My Favorite Time of Year. And then after that, she introduced the special. And I loved what she had to say. She's like, this special is just about being, about music, hope, and good cheer. You know, because 2020, it's like we all need every single bit of positivity that we can get. And she was joined by Ricky Minor and Orchestra when she introduced them, and they were just awesome tonight, as always. Uh, Next thing, she performed Away in a Manger. After that, there was an awesome video package of her son Isaiah, where he was singing Little Drummer Boy. And she gives, like, the backstory of, you know, getting him to do this and how excited he was, and then showing him 
recording and then her being right next to him and she's just singing it along with him belting it out and encouraging him and she's so excited and he's so excited and it was just it was just such sweet video you know it was very very cool just watching how excited she was you know and that was a big deal for him doing that so after that she sang silent night then she jumped off the christmas album and brought in jesus take the wheel because i mean yeah, perfect song for this show. It's like, absolutely bring that in. I'm going to be saying that again here in a second for another song. She jumped back to the Christmas album with Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, Sweet Baby Jesus, which I love that song. Mary, Did You Know? Then she introduced John Legend, and they sang Hallelujah. We had another video package with, with her mom, Carol. We love Carol. She Carol's always around. It, like, a lot of the events and stuff like that. We see Carol around. We're all a big fan of Carol. She did a video package to where she was talking about some of Carrie's childhood Christmases, you know, and like when she would perform at Christmas shows when she was younger, and they showed some footage. They showed footage from a Christmas show that I'd never seen before. It was really cool to see. From there, she jumped in to have yourself a merry little Christmas, so come all you faithful a lot of power in that one. She had a lot of power in this performance. Oh, Holy Night. I love the lighting change that happened as that song built toward the end. The lighting just changed. It was so cool how they did that. Let There, Pe Let there Be Peace, if I can spit that out. Let There Be Peace, which is the song that she's put out as a single. I uh, love that song. I thought that was going to be the finale, but I saw that the special runs 54 minutes. So I was looking at it, and I think it was like 46 minutes or 45 when it started. And I thought, well, okay, there is either something else going on, or maybe there's going to be a, like a video package to close it or something. Instead, we got something in the water, which I thought, yes, please, yes, this is awesome to close on. And this was awesome. Of course, I loved Let There Be Peace. That looked awesome and sounded awesome. Something in the water just looked so cool, so powerful. My spirit was just bouncing all over the room watching this and just the incredible blues around her, the blue colors, the blue lights. It reminded me of when she closed the Storyteller tour and she just had this incredible blue color with just the water looking effect coming down on her during that tour when she closed that. And <clears throat> But it just looked really cool here, and it was just such an awesome close to this show. But I know what she was wanting to do is just put something feel-good out there, you know, for 2020. And this show delivered, like I said, it, it just looked great. It sounded great. Uh, <laughs> very reminiscent of her CMA Awards hosting days. She has a lot of different outfit changes throughout this. For a while, I was looking, and I was like, she's... She's changing on every song, I believe. And the only reason that I can't say every song was because there were some that where she would combine. You know, she'd do one song and then roll right into the other. So on every cut, she may have changed every single time. I don't know. You're going to love this show, especially if you're a Carrie fan. You're going to really have fun watching this. I know is that some is something in the water was going there at the end. Oh, it made me miss concerts so bad. It made me miss it so bad. I cannot wait till it's safe to go to concerts again. And we can get like that concert normalcy. 
and I cannot wait to get to another Carrie show. It's, I think, <laughs> told you I'm a, just a very biased fan, but I think I've seen 25 times, I think was the last count I had, the last time I counted it in my head. I think I've seen her, I think I've seen 25 shows of hers live, so I'm really looking forward to the next one, which will hopefully be soon. You know, hopefully there will be some concert normalcy in our near future when things settle down and we can just get back to normal. This show here is definitely something to check out over Christmas. I know I'm going to watch it again and definitely check it out. As far as the album, the album's great. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that all of us Carrie fans, we have wanted a Christmas album probably for 15 years now, <laughs> honestly. We've gotten some sporadic uh, Christmas songs from her kind of earlier on in her career. We got a couple. And so this is something that we have really wanted for a while was a Christmas album. And she just finally said, you know, now's the right time to do it. And we got it. Favorite songs on the album for me, of course, the classics are always great. Anytime you get the classics, that's good stuff. I love Sweet Baby Jesus. Hallelujah with John Legend is awesome. That was actually my favorite on the album, but I'm really finding that Let There Be Peace is trying to creep up and be my favorite song on that album. So far it's Hallelujah, but Let There Be Peace is right there. But Sweet Baby Jesus is awesome, and you can't go wrong with any of these Christmas classics that are on this album. The pandemic continues to wreak havoc on the movie industry with how how these studios are trying to get movies out because it's it's just such a no-win situation right now. It's like some some studios are putting movies on hold. Some of them are going ahead and putting them out on the streaming services. Disney Plus has had several. Um, HBO Max is going to have Wonder Woman 1984 here soon. But they're about to get a whole lot more as Warner Brothers announced that their whole 2021 film slate is going to be released on HBO Max, which is incredible. That is an incredible announcement from them. Not only are they going to release them on HBO Max, but they're putting them in theaters, of course. And, you know, anything theater-wise is just, it's really so up in the air right now. So the plan is what they're going to do, they're going to put these movies up on HBO Max for a month. They're going to release on the same date. You're going to go into theaters with them, but you're also going to have them on HBO Max. They will be there on HBO Max for a month, and they will be a part of the regular subscription package. You know, you're not going to have to pay extra. It's part of your $14.99, $95, whatever it is, $15 that you pay every month for HBO Max. That's going to get you these movies. And, I mean, here's let's look at the movies that they've got coming out here. Let's look at this list of movies that they've got coming out because this is a full slate of movies here for 2021. They have The Little Things announced for January 29th, Tom and Jerry on March 5th. The Many Saints of Newark on March 12th, Reminiscence on April 16th, Godzilla vs. Kong on May 21st, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, June 4th, In the Heights, 
June 18th. Space Jam, A New Legacy, which is the sequel to the original Space Jam, releases on July 16th. The Suicide Squad, August 6th. Dune on October 1st. Elvis on November 5th. King Richard on November 19th. The Matrix 4 on December 22nd. Sherlock Holmes 3, also on December 22nd. And then we have Judas and the Black Messiah, Macro, Malignant, and Mortal Kombat. Those four titles do not have release dates yet. So that's a full slate of movies. Um, I'm kind of looking at this list, kind of looking at these release dates. I mean, you're going to get, for the majority, you're going to get a movie a month with how this is going to release with some of them. There's a there's a couple where there's going to be a month to where two movies are going to release. So, I mean, you're going to get, with your $15 package, you're going to get a theater-released movie, you know, every month from Warner Brothers, you know, except for February. I don't see anything for February. But, I mean... You know, the little things in Tom and Jerry are January 29th and March 5th. So, this is a big deal. And we already have Wonder Woman 1984 that's coming out Christmas Day. You know, this is just, it's a tough situation for movies right now. Because it's like, what do you do? This will be a tough thing for theaters. You know, I'm already seeing pushback from AMC. AMC is already pushing back on this and not real thrilled with this news because i mean these theaters you know they need these movies in the theaters but at the same time it's not safe to go into theaters so it's i don't know where the line is you know it's it's just a tough situation all around you know to where these studios are trying to get movies out the theaters def desperately need these movies into their theaters you know to draw to draw money so I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. But if you're an HBO Max person, I mean, this is this is some good stuff coming up in 2021 to where you're going to get a lot on your slate for your $15. couple streaming service things here to talk about is The Office is going to be leaving Netflix on December the 31st as they're going to be moving over to Peacock as NBC is going to put that in-house over there under their streaming service. This is going to be a big hit for Netflix because so that's two like major hit shows with The Office and Friends that are leaving Netflix to go to you know their to their brands, you know, uh, Friends, of course, left because Warner Brothers wanted Friends under the HBO Max uh, umbrella. They want that there to try to draw some viewers there. And, of course, NBC, they want that. They want the office over there on Peacock to try to pull people over there. So I can see there being a lot of pushback here with Office fans because Office has a huge following. So I could see this being a very similar reaction to how the reaction was to Friends when it left Netflix. So that's a very big deal there. So if you want to watch The Office, if you're watching it on Netflix, you have until December 31st to get that thing binge-watched or re-watched or whatever. And then after that, you've got to jump over to Peacock in 2021. 
Netflix has also added two seasons of Survivor. It's kind of interesting. I don't know what the reasoning was on it or how this actually went about, but there are two random seasons that CBS has has given to Netflix to air, which is one being season 20, Heroes vs. Villains, and season 20, uh, 28 of Kageon, which is the Brains vs. Brawn vs. Beauty season. Season 20, that was a that was a big season for Survivor with the Heroes vs. Villains, with the returnees. There was a lot of big things happening. And there's a lot of people that look at that season as one of the greatest, if not the greatest season ever, you know, depending on who you talk to. This is interesting strategy, and I will say that it's working. And I don't know if they need to maybe look into adding more seasons to Netflix because, and the reason I say that is because they're pulling in new viewers over there on Netflix. I'm seeing several celebrities during Thanksgiving, you know, where they're looking for something to watch. And they saw that pop up on Netflix. I'm seeing several celebrities that have never watched Survivor. And they're tuning in and watching these two seasons that are on there. And they're getting hooked. Like, you see a lot of posts where them where they're talking about, you know, the happenings that they're seeing. So this is definitely a great move for Survivor here to where they're going to pull some new viewers here. Because it just seems like... I mean, all the seasons are up available for, on CBS All Access, and actually, it's cheaper than Netflix. CBS All Access is cheaper than Netflix, and you have all the seasons of that on there. But CBS All Access just doesn't have that, like, number one all-around streaming grab like Netflix does. You know, Netflix is arguably numero uno, probably followed by Hulu, you know, Netflix, that's where people tend to go to try to find things to watch. So for them to land a couple of these random seasons on Netflix and maybe hook some new viewers, you know, while Survivor's down, of course, Survivor's had to shut down because of the pandemic. So we're delayed on getting a new season. But that's something they really ought to look at to, you know, because it seems like they're doing well with this on Netflix. They may really need to look at adding some more seasons on there. Maybe pick out some more uh some more of the best seasons cuz there definitely is viewers out there to grab. This past week, TNT hosted a very fun event, the Match 3, which was a golf event for to benefit Champions for Change, a very awesome cause that got Phil Mickelson together with Charles Barkley to take on Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. This was a fun event. I'm not a big golf person. I rarely watch golf. It pretty much... Pretty much the only times that I watch golf is if there's somebody that I like that's playing like whenever Michael Jordan would play in golf events I'd always watch you give me Charles Barkley on anything I'm gonna watch that's that's just bottom line fact I love me some Charles Barkley so I was ready to tune in for this and curious to see how he would do teaming up with Phil just a very fun event TNT they just made this really good the production of it was really cool 
where they've got them all mic'd up, where you can hear them talking with each other. You can hear like the commentators talking to them, them talking back to the commentators. Just really impressive what they're able to do production-wise with this. I watched, I think the only one I've ever watched of this was the one with Phil and Tiger. I think that wasn't that the match. I don't know. I think that was a match as well. I don't remember. Like I said, I'm not a golf person. I watched some of that, and uh, it was very impressive, too, just with what they were able to do. This here was a lot of fun. Um, Phil and Charles end up pulling out the win. It was very fun listening to Phil, you know, give advice and try to coach Charles. At one, po <laughs> at one point, Phil joked that he was, he was turning water into wine with a Charles golf game. Of course, Charles... His golf game is legendary, you know, for uh, just the highlights you see and clips they show on TNT. Of course, I'm a big NBA on TNT watcher. Uh, Charles, Ernie, Kenny, Shaq. It's like, that's my studio crew. I love watching them. It's like, there's so many times to where if there's a, it's, this is the only time this has ever happened to where most of the time when you're watching a game, you take your break at halftime to where, you know, if you've got to go get food, make a bathroom run, whatever, you do it during halftime. This crew here is the only ones to where it's the opposite. I would rather miss part of the game instead of missing them. It's like I will always, like, uh, if I need to, like, go make a food run or something, go fix some food, I will miss parts of the game to where I can be back at halftime to hear them talk, you know, and enjoy their fun. So that's the only thing ever that I can ever remember that happening with sports to where it's that way. And there was one moment in this, in this game to where they brought uh, Ernie, Kenny, and Shaq on to, uh, to commentate and talk to Charles and, and Shaq was heckling him at one point and putting money on Steph <laughs> and uh, Peyton Manning but this was just a fun event. I really enjoyed this. Uh, Phil seemed like he had a good time with it. At one point when the TNT crew was on with the, you know, Charles and Kenny and Shaq and Ernie, uh, Phil said, I, I got him a little extra motivation. They said, I got him some golf balls to hit. And on the golf ball was Shaq to give, <laughs> to give him some extra motivation to hit the ball. He had Shaq's face on it. That was pretty funny. And Shaq got a really big laugh out of that. It was just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this event. It's. I, I wish I was looking up trying to figure out what the ratings were. Because I wanted to see what the ratings were. And talk about that on here. But I can't find the ratings. I tried to do a news search. Just trying to figure out what it was. But I have to think that the ratings were really strong for this. But you know even as a like not a golf person. I was tuned in watching this. And like I said, it was interesting watching Phil coach. And at one point I texted one of my golf friends that he's, he plays a lot of golf. And I texted him and said, how's this advice that Phil's given Charles? Is this good advice and everything? He's like, oh yeah. He says, this is great advice that he's given him. And I was wanting to get that from the perspective of somebody that plays a lot of golf. My golf is basically mini golf. You know, my golf game involves mini golf and uh, and a wheel and, you know, a bridge and <laughs> whatever else craziness that is involved in mini golf. That's the extent of my golf knowledge is uh, trying to hit through a wheel or something like that, a spinning wheel. 
But yeah, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. Uh, and I, I have to think Charles Barkley brought in a lot of ratings for them. Uh, Steph Curry, he was good. I enjoyed watching him and Peyton and they were a lot of fun too. It was just, this was a fun time. I think it was like a four or five hour broadcast. I don't know. I forgot how long it went. I think it might've almost went five hours. I think it definitely went four, but this was a lot of fun. If, if you tuned in and watched, you know, you had a lot of fun watching it. If not, if you didn't see it, look up some clips on like online YouTube. I don't know where all they are. I know there were clips up on Twitter that they were posting, but yeah, check it out. It was a lot of fun. The NBA has announced its big Christmas Day lineup. So let's go over this list of what we've got here. We're going to start off Christmas Day in Miami with the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Miami Heat at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time. That'll be on ESPN. That's going to be, you know, they want Zion on, uh, on Christmas. You know, getting Zion, one of your biggest stars, on uh on that big stage of Christmas is definitely something the NBA wants. And they're going to be going up against, you know, the NBA finals coming off the NBA finals of that Miami heat team and Miami heat, you know, they're going to be curious to see how they can play off of how well they played down there in the bubble. Let's see how they do the one thirty game, two thirty Eastern one thirty PM central time. That's going to be your second game of the day. That's going to be the golden state warriors traveling to Milwaukee to play on the Milwaukee bucks. That'll be on ABC. We'll have Giannis against Steph Curry. So that'll be a very fun matchup. Third game of the day, 5 PM Eastern time, 4 PM central time. ABC, that's going to be the Brooklyn Nets at the Boston Celtics. This is going to be the new-look Brooklyn Nets you know, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Got to see how that team performs. This will be, you know, maybe a game or two into this uh, pairing of uh, Durant and Irving. So be curious to see how they play together against this young squad of the Celtics. The big primetime game is going to involve Luka, LeBron, Anthony Davis all together on the court with a 8 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Central time, ABC matchup with the Dallas Mavericks and Los Angeles Lakers. That will be a very star-packed game. I think it will be a lot of fun for primetime. Luka is just, he's one of the young stars in this league. He's got a lot of potential on him. He's just going to get better and better. And for your last game of the night, you're going to have the Los Angeles Clippers taking on the Denver Nuggets in Denver. That'll be a 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 9.30 p.m. Central Time start on ESPN. So that is your Christmas slate of games. And what's going to be different this year, I mean, we this the season is brand new. You know, teams are maybe going to play one game before Christmas. You know, the season starts December 22nd. So this is going to be brand new looks at these teams for Christmas. You know, usually we start the season in late October. So, you know, the last time that, you know, of course we had the season kick off uh, for Christmas Day, I believe it's 2011, was, you know, coming off that lockout was when uh, we had the season start on Christmas Day. That's when the Bulls played the Lakers and Derrick Rose made that big game-winning play 
at Staples Center, which I was very thrilled about because I'm a biased Bulls fan, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> so this is going to be pretty neat to see how teams start off. You know, there's a lot of new looks for some teams this year. A lot has been some players moving around. Of course, we had the we just had the Houston-Washington trade happen, too, with John Wall going to Houston and Westbrook going to uh, Washington. So there's been some moves in this offseason. You know, some teams have definitely gotten better. So I don't know what this NBA season is going to involve. Of course, you know, the pandemic throws a curveball on everything, you know, just like it has every sport. So we'll just have to see how the pandemic affects it and... And we'll get started with the NBA on Christmas Day. NBC has announced that its show Superstore is going to be ending after this current season of season six. Uh, It's currently under winter hiatus, so when it comes back, it's going to have 11 episodes left. It's going to be coming back on January the 14th. When the show gets done wrapping up, it's going to put the grand total of episodes at 113. Of course, this show's already had some changes this year, you know, with America Ferrara when she announced earlier in the year that she was going to be leaving the show. So there was a lot of fear among a lot of people wondering if that show was going to be able to survive without her. And the thing is, with that show, it's an ensemble cast. So, I mean, it's not like the show's all around based on her character, you know. So, it's not like her leaving just, like, demolished the show, you know, to where you're just, like, losing your main character. You know, it's not like... Because Mom, you know, with Anna Ferris when she left that show here lately, that show is... It's built around her, but it's also built around her mom as well. And but it's also got an ensemble cast around that too. So I always I thought mom was probably the more challenging of the two because you know it's the show's more focused on that duo, but they've got strong characters around that duo. So with America Ferrara leaving Superstore, it was kind of like that curiosity of, you know, would they be able to keep going along with it. That's kind of what a lot of people in the industry were kind of curious about. Uh, Lisa Katz, you know, the president of scripted content there at NBC put this statement out that I will read where she was talking about Superstore. Superstore has always been a signature NBC series that has never failed to make us laugh while also thoughtfully examining important issues people care deeply about. This has been an amazing group of writers, producers, actors, and crew to work with, and we are incredibly grateful for all their contributions. The show will forever hold its place among the top workplace comedies for which we have a cherished history. So again, Superstore will be coming back January 14th when they return from their hiatus. You'll get 11 more episodes of the show, and then it wraps up from there. Match.com ad has given us a little bit of a taste of what Taylor Swift's re-recordings are going to sound like. This new Match.com ad features Love Story, to where this is the first time we're hearing just a little bit of what she's been working on with the re-recordings. And that's what Taylor posted on Twitter uh, recently, where she said, you know, you're going to get a little bit of a sample of what I've been working on here. 
if you're not familiar with what's going on, Taylor's been in a big battle with her old label to where she does not own the masters of her own albums. She has been, it's been just a big legal back and forth and it's just been a lot of drama, a lot of ugliness going on to where she just finally got to the point where she said, you know what, I'm just going to re-record all my first five albums and I'm going to re-release them. That's what her plan is that she's going to do. And a lot of people have wondered, you know, what is this, what's the re-recording is going to sound like? Is she going to kind of play it more like the originals or is she going to put more of a kind of a modern spin on what it is? But with this Match.com ad, you know, with Love Story, that sounded pretty consistent, you know, to with, with how it's always been. So I'm very excited to see how this is going to turn out. I know she's just working her brains out, trying to get all this re-recorded, and she'll get this out re-released here soon. So the Match.com ad itself is pretty clever with what they're doing, with how they're playing it up. It features a couple meeting that was matched on Match.com, one of them being Satan. I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. It's like it's literally the guy is looks like the devil. He's got the horns and everything, and the woman and the woman walks up to meet him, and she says, "You know, he asks, are you username two zero two zero? You get where that's going now two zero two zero? And she says, "Yeah, but please call her twenty twenty. So the perfect match is the devil in twenty twenty. And they're a perfect match, and off they go, hitting it off. It's it's a pretty funny ad. It's pretty clever. I laughed at it. The Today Show this morning uh, had a sneak peek of what the second ad's going to be, where it was kind of an interview kind of ad, and it's pretty funny too. It's it's a clever ad. It's clever how they're going about it. And if you're a Taylor Swift fan. Get that little bit of a sneak peek at that re-release and get a, get a listen to what that thing's going to sound like. We're down to the final five, the mine five, on this season of what I've been calling Team Amazing Race. That's what I've been calling this season. As we're down to the mine five, they're ready to split. You know, there was the big talk in last week's episode of the mind five is done. You know, it's like, well, no kidding. You're done. I mean, there's five of you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've just picked off every team that isn't isn't involved with you, you know. So we're down to the mind five. We're off to Cambodia for how this episode starts with Riley and Madison on their way. First place off as they go. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pick up the Travelocity Roaming Gnome, who is back, making his first appearance this season. I love the Roaming Gnome. It's been a fun little little thing over the years. And my first thought was, does anybody lose the Gnome? Because there has been so many times in the seasons of The Amazing Race to where you know, you've got your task, but the thing is you have to keep the roaming gnome with you at all times. He has to come with you at all times and hold on to him. And there's been teams that have left the roaming gnome in different places to where they would get to a certain place and Phil would be like, do you have your gnome? And teams just look panicked like, no, where did we leave them? And they sometimes have to go way back 
to pick him up, you know. So I was curious to see if something was going to happen here, you know. So first thing we see here is we're going to have a U-turn on this leg of the race. Iswar and Aparna, there's an interview with them where they talk about being the only team left that has yet to win a leg of the race and how determined they are to make that happen on this leg of the race. All teams are even on this flight. Everybody's on the same flight. We get to the destination. We get to Cambodia. Hung and Chi, they get into a taxi and they learn, they introduce themselves. The driver introduces himself as Spider. The taxi driver's name is Spider. You know, if I want a taxi driver, Spider's not a bad name to have. That's kind of cool. You know, it, it's no pressure either. It's kind of, whenever you got a nickname like Spider, you got to think that taxi driver's got to deliver big for you, right? <laughs> so they have the alliance of three that are on top here, leaving the Tuk Tuk Challenge, where they all had to help assemble a Tuk Tuk and then ride with it. So they're all three... At the top of the rankings here as they leave that. Then they all have to travel by boat to a floating Buddhist temple to where they're going to donate items that they were given while uh, doing this with the tuk-tuk, with getting, the, getting that put together. They were given items, so they have to take it to this temple and give the items there. My first thought was, I bet somebody forgets the items because that tends to happen so much in The Amazing Race where somebody will accidentally leave something behind we have our first big incident with the with the teams to where riley and madison get on a boat and the motor quits halfway to the temple and you know of course they're getting passed and this is one thing with the amazing race that can just be so crazy and it's happened you know all 20 years of the amazing race you can do everything right but if you have a mechanical failure, you get a bad taxi driver, so many things can happen to you that are out of your hands and out of your control to where you're just out of luck, you know? And this was one of those moments where Riley and Madison were just, they were on, things were going good, they were ready to roll here, and all of a sudden their motor quits. And I'm like, oh, is this going to put them way behind here? It did not put them way behind you know, their driver got it back up and going and they were good. They lost a couple spots. I think a couple. Anyway, they lost a few spots, but they were right back up and going pretty quickly. We get to the detour where there were two different tasks that you could pick from. One being a fishing task to where you had to basically pull this net in and you had to pull the fish away from this net. And the net was a mile and a half long. That's how long you had to reel this thing in. The other task was a planting a garden task. I'm not going to go into details on that because garden stuff is way over my head. <laughs> so let's just say that they were planting a garden and doing that. To me, it looked like the fish task was probably the easiest. And there were teams that were saying that too. Because the fish task, it's pretty much just rolling you know, this net. Now you're rolling it for a very long time and you're getting tired and frustrated. Like how much longer do we have to go? But it's it's a simple task to where you know what you've got to do. With the garden, you've got to have all your items. You've got to have everything lined up perfect. So Hung and Chi, they were going to do the fish task and their taxi driver accidentally took them to the farm instead to do the garden. 
So they're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do the garden instead. So now the talk is the U-turn. The All teams want to get out of this detour and get to this U-turn before Gary and D'Angelo get there because the plan is to U-turn them. That's what the Alliance want to do. They want to U-turn them, get them out of the race is the plan. And I don't know if they really had a clue on just how crucial this was to where teams were targeting them so much in that three-team alliance. I don't know if they were really clued in on how crucial this was to get there. So D'Angelo and Gary get there first, which was huge for them. That saved them. They U-turn Iswar and Aparna, which was very surprising. I did not see that coming. I really thought they might take a shot at another team. But their reasoning was that they didn't want to take a shot at a strong team. They wanted to take a shot at a team in the back and try to eliminate them. And what's even more peculiar is Riley and Madison get there right after them. Instead of them not using the U-turn, they use the U-turn on D'Angelo and Gary. Which doesn't make sense, right? Because... D'Angelo and Gary got there first, so what's the point in you turning a team that's ahead of you? Well, they basically flushed it. They basically flushed the, I think they called it burning the board. <laughs> I think so, what they called the, the term of it or something similar along those lines. What they basically did, they flushed the second U-turn to where you can, there's two teams that can U-turn and then it's done. So what they did, they basically U-turned a team that doesn't mean anything just to where these teams behind them can't take a shot at one of their alliance members. So they were protecting their alliance, which is incredible. This is another moment of this season to where we're just seeing unprecedented things here to where how much this alliance protects each other. I've just never seen anything like this on The Amazing Race. So what does the U-turn mean? So if you get U-turned, what happens, like the previous test was a detour where you had to pick one or the other. If you get U-turned, so you finish the one detour, you finish the one task, you go to the U-turn. If you get U-turned, you have to go backwards and complete the other task. You have to do both detours if you get U-turned. So this is what Iswar and Aparna have coming at them. So Iswar and Aparna get to the U-turn, and they are not happy. They are not happy about this turn of events. And this brought out a different Aparna than we have seen in this race to where she was not having it, and she was going to be vocal about it. So while they are going back and doing this second part of the detour, we get to the roadblock to where we have fit the mold to where what they are having to do they're basically having to try to make tiles. They're having to make tiles. They have to paint them and color them the exact same thing. And then what you're going to do with those tiles, you're going to make them and form them into a slide puzzle. So you've got to get all these things colored and made just right. And then you're going to make it into a slide puzzle later on. Now, to help with this, you've got a guy there that's, he's, you know, he's a local and he's, He's doing this. He's showing how it's done. So all you have to do is go over and watch and say, oh, what's this guy doing? Okay, let me watch and learn and see what he's doing. So that's what this guy does all through it. He's just making these tiles and he's showing how it's done. So D'Angelo and Gary, D'Angelo ends up doing, doing the roadblock and 
the thing with the thing with the roadblock is whenever something like this goes on, you can't communicate with your partner. So if your partner is doing this roadblock and you see something that your partner is not doing right, you can't yell out to him or him or her. You can't yell out and say, oh, hey, you're doing this wrong. You need to do this. And why I say that is because the him I'm referring to is D'Angelo and Gary is very frustrated because he points out many times that he's like, D'Angelo is not watching what the guy is doing. He's like, he won't go over there and pay attention to what he's doing to see what he's doing wrong. Cause D'Angelo struggling. He can't seem to get it right. And Gary keeps saying that's the thing he's hung up on is the thing he hasn't went over there and watched the guy do yet. <laughs> so Gary's really frustrated over this. So Riley and Madison, they get here, they do their, they do their tile making, they do their puzzle. They're out first. Will and James right out second. So they move on to the pit stop. We have first place to Riley and Madison. Will and James second on this pit stop. So they're already out and done. So that leaves the drama of the final three teams left here. We have Hung and Chi, D'Angelo and Gary, Iswar and Aparna. Iswar and Aparna arrive. And that's, if you're D'Angelo and Gary, that's not what you want to see. If Whenever you take a shot at another team, whether it's a yield or a U-turn, you never want to see that team show up for two reasons. <laughs> One, that shows that their penalty, that you've lost your advantage on your penalty because they've shown up and they've caught up to you. But the bigger thing, well, it's not the bigger thing, but it's, it's a pretty big thing. That team's going to be very vocal and angry. And you don't know how that team's going to show up. And Iswar and Aparna show up, and they're not happy. Iswar was very more reserved. He didn't really say much. Aparna cussed out. <laughs> she cussed them out the second she showed up. And she was trash-talking uh, D'Angelo through the whole thing. And Gary, she was trash-talking them through the whole thing. And, you know, and D'Angelo had a pretty good attitude about it he was just kind of like you know i get they're angry he's like i know they're mad and and he he really had a positive spin on it so the story turned into hung and chi get out they end up finishing third place so the story is is d'angelo going to be able to get this figured out before iswar and aparna catch up to them so d'angelo finally he goes over you know, he's stuck on this one thing, can't figure it out. He goes over and watches, like, oh, now I get it. Okay, okay, we're good. So he goes over, does that, figures it out. They're out of there. Iswar and Aparna are not far behind. I'm assuming, again, when we get down to this editing, sometimes you really don't know because they edit these things to make it look like the teams are closer. Sometimes they're very close. Other times they're way apart, and they're just trying to add some drama to the episode. So we see like D'Angelo and Gary, some of the things that they're running into, like they run into one point where they've got construction slowing them down They're where the roads block because this, this uh, big bulldozer or whatever's knocking down a tree. So they're stuck there. So I don't know how long they were stuck in this spot. So, I mean, we've got the tease, you know, where they're showing them both trying to get to the pit stop. And D'Angelo and Gary get there, get there first, and that leaves Iswar and Aparna out of the Amazing Race. So it's a U-turn that takes out Iswar and Aparna here to where 
the alliance, it just happened to be that what happened with D'Angelo and Gary getting there first ended up taking them out because the alliance was going to take out D'Angelo and Gary. When the alliance couldn't take them out, it changed things up, and then D'Angelo and Gary ended up uh, U-turning, Iswar and Aparna. So if D'Angelo and Gary had not got to that U-turn first, the results of this leg of the race would have very likely been very different to where D'Angelo and Gary probably would have been going home. So Iswar and Aparna were just, they were just a victim, you know, of this U-turn to where things just didn't go like that Alliance wanted and they ended up being the victims of it, you know. So our standings at the end of this leg of the Amazing Race, first place Riley and Madison, second place Will and James, third place Hung and Chi, fourth place D'Angelo and Gary. So we have the three-team alliance in the top three, and we have D'Angelo and Gary. Now they're the odd team out. So we're going to have to see how that team can do, because they're going to be one against three in this next leg of the race, and we're going to have to see if they can overcome it or if another one of those teams in that three has trouble. It's just it's very hard obstacles to overcome when you have three teams, you know, and I mean, this goes back to when you had five teams working together and then, you know, they took out Kalen and Haley, you know, because it was five, it was four against one or five against one, sorry, on that end. So now, you know, you're one against three. Now you're the odd team out that's going up against this three, three team alliance. So, it's going to be hard. They're, they are really going to have to just turn up the energy here. They're going to have to win. They're going to have to perform well. And they're really going to have to hope that one of these three teams runs into some kind of trouble that's kind of out of their control to where an alliance member can't help them, you know, with something to where it's like, what am I doing wrong? Oh, well, you're doing this wrong. Okay, thank you. Now I've got this figured out. You know, they're going to have to run into something that's out of their control that one of the other teams can't help them with. You know, they're going to have to get broken up and split up time-wise, or there's going to have to be like a taxi problem or a mechanical problem or something. But D'Angelo and Gary, it's going to be hard for them to overcome. I feel like they can do it. I want them to be able to do it. So we'll just have to see, because I just I want to see... It's just, it's frustrating. The three-team alliance is just frustrating to watch, you know. I just don't want to see the power win here. You know, I want to see D'Angelo and Gary break this power up of this three-team alliance. So, we'll just see how this goes on the next leg of the Amazing Race. That is it for this episode of the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Take care. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great day.